1: And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Gallup. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Please leave a rating. Leave a review. We got a nice rating and review today. Thank you. I I wish I could say who it was, but it's just a generic username, but they were very friendly. So if you wouldn't mind going on Apple Podcasts and doing that, it's always appreciated. I like to hear from y'all. I enjoy the feedback. It helps us get better. So please do that. But as you experienced previously, we went through the offensive side of the equation on our way too early fifty-three man roster projection, and now we're going through the defensive side of the ball, and it's going to get a little more interesting yeah, on this side. Um, Steve, what what positions are you most intrigued to watch
0: at rookie minicamp OTAs as we're going forward? I got to say, it's going to be all the new faces on that D line, just because of the yeah. the pieces that were were here for a while that you're accustomed to seeing. Um, you know, the David Onyamata, Shai Tuttle, and just want to see how the other guys, I guess, acclimate to this new, you know, you got a new D-line coach too. So just all around that whole, just want to see how the, the unit works together along with the new coach. Yep. Todd Grantham, you obviously spent
1: your first two draft picks on defensive linemen and Brian Brzee and Isaiah Foskey. And so I think what you really want to see this year is kind of, an inkling of, okay, this can be the defensive line of the future, right? Like I want to ha- come away from this season feeling confident that one day when Cam Jordan does inevitably retire, you're not just – the cupboard isn't bare. Because based on, you know, when you miss on a draft pick like you did with Marcus Davenport and you use two years of first-round picks to do that, and then he's out the door and you're like, man, what are we going to do, right? And you think Peyton Turner might be that guy, but you haven't seen it. So I, you, need to, you need to come out of this year feeling like we have a plan here at defensive line. And so I think you have the pieces in the building and they need to show up. But so we're keeping nine defensive linemen. So we'll go through the defensive ends first. So that's Carl Granderson, Cam Jordan, Tano Passigno, Peyton Turner, all four returning players, no surprises there. You didn't really do anything on free agency on the defensive end side of the equation. So you are banking on, Peyton Turner being a contributor and as you should, he's a first round pick going to year three. I was like, please contribute anything. Right. And when I talked to Cam about it, he was basically said like, you got to be available. Right. And you know, he doesn't say that lightly because he's a guy who's always available. Like it means something to him when you're talking about availability and he's got to be on the field. I think he's played in 13 games over two years. That's just not enough. So that's the first step is, being healthy, being on the field. And if he can do that, then maybe he can make an impact. But I do think you still feel good about Carl Granderson. Tano Passano is a guy you trust. You brought him back. And then Isaiah Foskey is a guy you're going to really try to work in. I think is going to be a plug and play guy to an extent. Like he's going to be getting significant snaps week one. He might, he might out snap Brian Brzee week one, um, just in terms of what you need from him and the fact that you have, two capable defensive tackles in front of him at a position where you don't really rotate as much, but either way, this is a position where you're going to be trying to get some youth movement involved here.
0: Yeah. Granderson for me is definitely that guy we've seen steady growth from and really intrigued to see what he does this season. I think he has that possibility to be kind of like that Caden Ellis kind of player from last year that, you know, took even that really next great step and hopefully can push Peyton Turner along with the addition of Isaiah Foskey because yeah, I I don't know what to make of him. I love, you know, your sit down with, with cam. And like he said, it's like, I see him putting in the work. It's not like the kid's not trying, but all that being said, he, you know, in the end, you gotta be available. It goes back to that.
1: Yeah. And sometimes you got to play hurt, right? Like, and and you you wonder after a certain point, it's like, okay, everyone's, (laughs) <laughs> Kinda hurt, right? It's the NFL. No one's feeling a hundred percent. And are you able to push through that and still get the work in? Like not necessarily play. Like everyone wants to play. I think I think players are willing to play, but are you willing to do the work when you are not feeling a hundred percent? And I think that that's where if you're losing Peyton Turner, it's there. It's it's when he has to fight through something to get the work in. And that's where I don't know if you're doing it. And that's why you're seeing him struggle on the field. That's just the theory. But when you hear Jeff Ireland come out and say, like, you know, he's got to show up in shape, he's got to do this, he's got to do that. You know, like coaches and, and scouts and analysts, they're not looking for reasons to, to have a player want to sock you. But, like, <laughs> when you have to say that stuff out loud, it's to send a message. And hopefully you receive that message. And so on the defensive tackle side of the equation, we're keeping nine defensive linemen, five DNs, four defensive tackles, and I actually think the defensive tackle lineup when everyone's healthy is actually pretty impressive. So you have Malcolm Roach is a guy who you trust and you brought back. Then Colin Saunders, free agent, Nathan Shepard, a free agent from the jets. And then Brian Brazil, a first round draft pick. And hopefully these are guys who stay healthy and contribute because you're going and you're cutting only three guys, you're only cutting three linemen. And this is where you kind of look at it and say, you're probably going to sign a, a, an extra lineman or two because 12 defensive linemen going into camp. is not a, it's not a, big number and so you're cutting the udfa jaron cage then jabari zuniga is the guy who was around last year and then prince Amelie, who at one point this offseason was the only defensive tackle on the roster um but i think those are pretty easy cuts when you when you cut, boil it down
0: yeah the defensive tackle spot too i would hope at least from day one that Brazi is going to be a starter for you i would imagine i don't think he's going to be I think no. he's going to be a rotational
1: guy. No, I, I think you're going to use him from day one, but I don't think he's going to be the first guy off the bench. I think you're going to go with Nathan Shepard and and, and Colin Saunders and work him in. Maybe by the end of the season, he is getting more three-down work, but I think he's going to be a situational guy week one and then week two, and then you're going to, going to build him up.
0: I think yeah, he's I guess- going to be a rundowns guy early on. Like you said, with the rotation too, I mean, he can obviously earn more, more snaps – as you go along. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean,
1: you paid Colin Saunders and Nathan Shepard a good, good money. Like you didn't, you didn't sign bargain bin guys. Now these are both guys are on three year deals. You know, they're making, I think seven to 9 million per season. Like these are guys you expect to contribute. So, you know, like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that you're going to be like, man, Brian Brzee's never on the field. I just don't think you're going to s- s- just pencil him in as your number one guy on the depth chart, regardless of what happens in camp. Okay, let's move on. That was the defensive line. It's obviously the biggest position, so we talk about the most. Linebackers. Now, this is the position where I get a little wild here. Okay. So, linebackers. I am keeping Zach Bond, who I think this is the year, got to do something. The mm-hmm. You know, you got to be that Sam linebacker because there, there is a need for one, and you got to be able to do it. I'd also like to see them get him more involved in the pass rush. I think that's something that they have not really tried to tap with him. But if you're going to keep him around for another year, you better. And it was something that you saw Caden Ellis do very effectively. And I think they have similar skill sets from a pass rush perspective. From there, you have Demario Davis, obviously. Andrew Dowell. you're still keeping as that special teams ace. Pete Werner. And then the next two are kind of a question. I'm keeping DeMarco Jackson. He was your fifth round pick last year. He missed the entire season with an injury. I think they want to see him. I think they want to get a look at him. that Because you didn't last year, but you liked him enough to bring in, right? Get out of App State. So I think I'm keeping him. And then I'm also keeping Anthony Orgy, the UDFA out of Vanderbilt. He's a guy who was very productive, team leader, all around the field, misses a lot of tackles. So he's going to have to show that he can kind of rein it in but I think his skill set makes a lot of sense. It reminds me a little bit of Quan, right? Like I think he kind of fits in with what you're trying to do. And so I'm keeping him. And uh, so so a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on Anfernee after this podcast posts. He's going to go out there. He's going to have to figure it out because the players I'm keeping too, I'm cutting, you know, these are guys, you know, so Nick Anderson, I know a lot of people are going to want to see me put Nick Anderson on that line instead of Anfernee, but I just don't think he fills that role right now that you need which is a guy who can just go out and be a volume tackler if you need to replace Pete Warner for whatever time period he misses if he gets hurt, right? You need that depth. Ty Summers, also a cut. Ryan Connolly a cut. And then Nephi Sewell, this is the guy who I was kind of split. There was three linebackers, and I wanted to keep two, which was Anthony Orgy, DeMarco Jackson, and Nephi Sewell. And I ended up cutting Nephi just because I, I think we've seen what he has to offer, and right now it's not good enough. So I'm kind of projecting these two guys ahead of him. But that could that could shift. They obviously liked him enough last year to keep him on the practice squad and to give him reps in the preseason. So that's kind of where I'm at. But that's my one UDFA that I'm keeping is Anthony Orgy because I think he is an NFL-ready body. I think he should have been drafted. And
0: they just – like he's a UDFA on this list. He should have been a sixth-round pick. Yeah, I'm curious with Zach Bon at least for me, he's a guy that's been a contributor – obviously on special teams that was something good on special teams like that's something I, that a lot
1: of people don't appreciate about Zach Bond. And he's been good on but not just like he's been a key contributor on special teams that's what saves him on this roster
0: and that yeah that's been big to me unlike a guy like a Peyton Turner who's been a healthy scratch not even contributing at all kind of thing when you look at yeah that you know, one block yes yes exactly um but yeah um so um, a guy you're rooting for but yeah really haven't seen much and I think it's kind of a little bit of the Saints fault, obviously, because when he was drafted, it was kind of switched into a whole different role than what he really played in college.
1: So one thing that we uh, heard from Mickey this year was about like the nine-o prospects, right? Like if they are very good but they're not a scheme fit, they'll put a nine-o at the end. So if they're a third round grade but they're a three nine oh, you're not going to take them in the third round. You might take them in the fifth round if they drop there because you like them that much. And I think that's probably what happened with Zach Ball. It's maybe he was a second round grade, but he was a two nine oh and they got into the third round and they're like, maybe we can make this work. He is a very good football player he doesn't fit our scheme but we're gonna try it out just hasn't happened just has not worked and i think that you have to adjust a little bit to do to to play his strengths right and you just haven't really done that and i don't know it's it's tough like i could see him going somewhere and being a three four outside linebacker and and having success it's just not going to be on the saints unless they unless they adjust to accommodate it so yeah
0: yeah. And as you mentioned with Nick Anderson, obviously all the, you know, local fans rooting for the two-lane guy, uh, undersized linebacker, we know. And I, I think there is a spot for him on the practice squad, but to make the 53, he'd have to be doing something obviously outstanding.
1: This is just a highlight reel of Anthony orgy. He's, he wears, he wore zero in college. He just and gets up he's always around the ball. And I think you're going to see this in camp and it's going to flash in camp. And you're going to see a guy who's just constantly around the ball, making plays, Getting up field, harassing running backs, and and snap slapping at the ball and making plays, and it's gonna stand out. Like I I guarantee you, he is one of the guys that is getting talked about after you know OTAs and and like the first day of pads when they come on and you hear him thump somebody and you're like, oh okay, yeah. you know I I, I I I genuinely think he's gonna be a guy that people you know that, that people fall in love with throughout camp. I guarantee he's already got the f- best last name for the Cajun cannon orgy. <laughs> All right. So defensive back, I I always just kind of lump these together because I don't like splitting them up between safety and cornerback because I'm never sure. There's always like two or three that I'm never sure which part to put in. So I just do defensive back. I'm keeping 10. And this is always one where you can go either way, because if you have a lot of, if you have, for example, an Eno Benjamin who contributes on special teams, that that's probably going to take away a safety spot because safeties cornerbacks are a lot of times will be your special teams players because, they are typically fast and they can tackle just what they do. It's us get their job. So it just makes sense that that would kind of transition to being a gunner or you're, you know, just kind of somebody who's going to sprint downfield and make a tackle in space. And so that's kind of where you end up with here. But so on the cornerback side of the equation, it's really not a big question here. Paulson Adebo, Marshawn Lattimore, Bradley Roby, Alanti Taylor. Now I am keeping Isaac Yadam on this list. And that's because right now, I don't know who the gunner is across from JT Gray, who is also on this list. Isaac Yadam did that very well last year. They brought him back. I think right now he's going to be the the inside track at that role. I think Lonnie Johnson Jr. is the P.J. Williams mold of a guy you could throw at cornerback or safety and feel comfortable with. Um, You didn't bring P.J. back, so there is a spot for a player like that, and I think he's it. JT Gray is obviously the special teams ace. Jonathan Abram is kind of replacing Justin Evans, right? A highly drafted guy who got kind of passed, you know, cast off from his first NFL gig. And now he's looking to make an impact in new Orleans and Justin Evans is on the Eagles now. So there is an extra spot for that kind of depth safety. And then the other two safeties who are going to be your starters, Tyron Matthew, Marcus may, I feel pretty good about that list. The only question is who's that gunner. And so if someone beats out Isaac Yadam and is,
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Yeah, the Saints secondary is strong. I know that was was what was really odd to me. I thought uh, seeing some of the mock drafts going into this year, some people had corner as a need for them. And I just I I didn't understand that at all.
1: I think it's just corners a need for every team every year. Right, like I, I, there are so few instances where you're like, okay, we're set at corner. We don't even have to look at it. Like it just doesn't, ex- like that team
0: doesn't exist. I thought that last year, and then look what happened.
1: <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. You went in last year being like, wow, we have four startable corners. Man, we're set. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you have Chris Harris starting across from Alanti Taylor. <laughs> yes, like, like it goes. You get thin real fast. Um. Anyway, so I'm t- there's 16 defensive backs on the roster right now. It's the most of any possession. I'm keeping 10. I'm cutting six. So one of them is safety Ugo Amati. Like he's a guy who I don't know anything about. He could be excellent as a gunner and beat out a guy like Isaac Yadam. So he's something to watch. He's so wearing number zero. So he'll stand out. Uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. is getting cut. He's a UDFA. Troy Pride Jr., Vincent Gray. Smoke Monday. People are going to get mad at me. Until I see him back healthy, I am not going to pencil him in anywhere. He doesn't profile as a gunner. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to be able to have on special teams. So for that reason alone, he, it's difficult for me to just pencil him in. Now he can go out there and just dominate, maybe beat out a Jonathan Abram, right? Maybe beat out Alani Johnson. Right now, I don't know. I have to see him out there and see what he's got. They did keep him around. So clearly they like him. So he's going to get his chance. Now here's my one draft pick that's getting cut and it is Jordan Howden. I just don't know anything about Jordan Howden. I don't see where he's going to impact the field as a rookie. And I think that you can cut him and stash him, right? He's a sixth round pick. No one's going to be falling over themselves to sign him on to, to claim him on waivers, considering they weren't doing that in the sixth round of the draft anyway. So I think he's the guy where if you're trying to make space for somebody, He's the draft pick that I'm that I'm okay, kind of stashing because I think you can just like Jordan Jackson last year. Although you look at Jordan Jackson, he's on the Broncos now, so it doesn't always work out. Either way, I wanted to keep Orgy. I wanted to keep an extra running back, and Jordan Howden gets the the the, the short straw here.
0: Yeah, it could be interesting with Howden too, seeing what he's able to do in special teams because I know that's really I I, I would consider him. To make his mark on the on his team, if anywhere, this year. And even going down the line, I don't know if he's necessarily gonna be a guy you rely on to play defensive snaps. He's gonna have to make his impact as a as a special teamer. Yeah. Maybe
1: he is that gunner, right? Like you need somebody. You need someone who can be a gunner, you need someone who can be a jammer, you need someone who can contribute. And right now I just don't know. Like I haven't seen him play. I haven't, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna pretend I've watched a ton of Minnesota football. Definitely haven't watched Minnesota special team snaps. He looks good. He looks like a good athlete. I just don't know if there's going to be a spot for him this year, hence why he ends up on the practice squad. But I'm okay with that, right? Like, I, I don't have an issue with putting this guy on the practice squad because, again, he's a sixth-round pick. You know, if, if someone comes and tries to sneak him off waivers, great. I'd rather, if I had to pick between the two sixth-rounders in terms of a guy that I think I would be worried about getting stashed off my practice squad and a guy I wouldn't be, it would be A.T. Perry that I'm more worried about. So if I have to pick one of those guys to stash him, I'm picking Jordan Howden.
0: You mentioned not knowing anything about Ugo Amadi. I'm going to throw in, uh, what's his name, uh, Troy Pride Jr. in that one, too. I know nothing about that guy. He's been on the roster. It's <laughs> just not, a, not an impact. Vincent Gray, too,
1: which <laughs> yeah, I, do, I, I do appreciate. I, I do enjoy when – I think there was a point last year where the Saints defensive secondary was – Vincent Gray and JT Gray. It was like the like a law firm. It didn't go well either. <laughs>
0: I was going to say uh, not Fifty Shades of Gray, just
1: Two Shades of Gray. <laughs> yeah, two Shades of Gray. <laughs> um, all right, and then special teams. No, no real conversation to be had here. I think <laughs> you have Will Lutz coming back as a kicker, Blake Gillikin as the punter, and Zach Wood as the long snapper. Now, Will Lutz is not guaranteed his job the entire season, in my opinion. He took a pay cut. You're going to give him a chance if he does not bounce back from what you saw last season, which was just not good, then I could see him losing his job. But he was fine throughout camp. So he, I don't think he's going to lose his job in camp. It's going to be a question of what he does during the games. Definitely. And I think that's part of the reason you're carrying two kickers right now. Because you want to know what your options are, right? Alex Covado was here last year. Blake Group, is the for UDFA out of Notre Dame. And so you're just going to see what they have. And then like, if you do have to make a decision, you have to make a decision. I think Will Letts is going to bounce back. I don't think what you saw from him last year was any sign that he's lost it. He made a kick from 62 yards, I believe, or 60, 61. I don't know. The, the first kick against Minnesota and the second one he missed by an inch, right? Like the leg is still there. I think it's more of just a like a confidence thing, like a like an instinct thing. And hopefully that was a one-year kind of sojourn that he's back from. And we've seen that, right? Like Robbie Gold, I feel like got cut by two different teams, and he's still kicking for the 49ers as late as last year, right? Brett Maher was a cast-off that the Saints brought in and then wasn't good enough to keep here and then ended up on the Cowboys and had a really good season. Now, postseason notwithstanding, he had a really good kicking season for the Cowboys last year. And then he missed five consecutive extra points. <laughs> but like, it's not unusual to see a kicker kind of go through the doldrums of, you know, why isn't this working out? Either way, I think you're going to be fine. You have Blake Groupie, you have Alex Cavada. Both of those guys are going to get cut. Maybe you stash around the practice squad. I don't know. And then Lou Headley, who is here, and he's going to be fun to watch, but I don't think he's going to beat
0: out Blake. But yeah, that's, that's those are my last cuts. Kind of, well, completely off topic. It's going to be curious to see at least... What's going to happen with that punter that the Bills drafted has been cleared of, you know, the charges now? And now, I mean, obviously, if he was worthy enough to be a six-round draft pick, you would figure that somebody's going to be interested in this services. Obviously, the Saints, I think, are very happy with Blake Gillikin, but just curious what happens with Matt Ariza? Ari- Ari- Ariza. Yeah, Aliza. Matt Ariza, the, the punt god, <laughs> as <laughs> right, it was right. called, I believe. Um, yeah, I mean... I assume he's going to get signed by somebody, right? Like it's really unfortunate. Obviously you have your name just really tarnished and destroyed. I'm happy the young man got his, his name cleared kind of thing. And now he wasn't even there. right?
1: Right. Like a lot of times you'll, you'll see these cases where somebody recants like Greg Hardy, right? Like Greg Hardy didn't go to prison because the person who was pressing charges against him did not show up to court. Right. Like, that is not the same as being exonerated, <laughs> whereas the, like, evidence showed that Matt Ariza wasn't even at the house he, that he had allegedly raped somebody. He wasn't right. even there. And that's a very different situation, obviously, than, than the one I just described. So, like, like, and teams did not touch Greg Hardy. Teams have, did not sign Ray Rice. Like, they just never ended up on a roster again. I don't think that's what's going to happen for Matt. Because it wouldn't, it wouldn't be fair. And I, and I I don't know about his character or anything beyond that, but if that's the reason he got cut from the Bills, then I imagine he'll end up back on a roster. Who knows? Maybe
0: something else will come out that'll, that'll ruin his life. I don't know. But <laughs> I imagine that he'll end up somewhere. Although, you know you know who never came back was Ray Rice, and I just don't know if he was yeah. done as a running back at that point or that video really just put the kibosh on everything.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Because I, I think he was toward the tail end of his career from a yeah. physical perspective to begin with. I mean, look at um, Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Right, like very similar situations. They even both happened at an elevator, right? Uh, he got signed. And so it's like, hmm, if you're young enough and you have enough years ahead of you, you can get past it. If you were a veteran who, you know, probably would be a backup, you know, right. probably not worth the noise. Either way, the Saints don't have any players dealing with domestic stuff are going to get them cut, apparently. Um, they do have a running back who's dealing with an elevator incident. It was a duty-punched which I guess is slightly better from a NFL perspective, right?
0: Yeah, except when he's on the ground and multiple people continue to hit on him and then it doesn't look so great.
1: Oh, it was bad. It was bad. But from the perspective of getting blackballed by teams, it's not, you know, it's like getting in a fight at a bar is a lot different than Punching your wife in an elevator. No, what, what, Ray what Ray Camara's
0: said. actions was if something were to happen where the Saints decided to move on from him, there would be, you know, every other team in the league would be interested in his services. Uh, I, I still think, I, I don't think Camara is, is hit a wall in his, his capabilities yet. I mean,
1: I don't know. Maybe he has. Like, I, I, I start, you start to wonder, right? Like, you go through an entire season with what, one rushing touchdown? And we're going to pretend that there's no,
0: Worry that maybe he has started to reach the back slope of his career. I'm I'm gonna chalk it up just to whatever was going on with that whole case. Kind of weighed on him. Yeah, kind of wait on him during the season. So I'm I'm hoping that just because I, I I'm not afraid to to admit, obviously huge Camara fan, just the the player and the person. It just it was a real letdown to see this happen to him. Well,
1: I mean, he was involved. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it didn't happen to him. He did something. (laughs) And he's dealing with the fallout from that now. So I don't feel bad for him in that sense that he is dealing with the uh you know consequences of his own actions. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely from I think it happened to the Saints. (laughs) You know, like I think the Saints are dealing with it in in ways that they probably shouldn't have to be dealing with it. And that's why in a lot of instances, you'll see that player get cut. In Alvin's instance, he is so talented and he is so good that they're willing to accept it. And that's kind of the two-faced nature of the NFL, right? And we talked about this. It's like, if you are good enough, you can get away with stuff. Now, I'm not saying Alvin should have been cut, but if he was a fringe of the roster player, he would have been cut. And that's kind of the rub. Right. Like, if he was Eno Benjamin, you would have said, see ya. He wouldn't, he he would have been out the door, don't let it hit you on the way out. You know, And, and... I guess that's just America, right? That's capitalism. Trump's all right, for sure. Yeah, but all right. That's the end of, of the 53 man roster projection. I actually think all things considered, this was a pretty painless process. I didn't think there were a ton of, of difficult cuts and that could change because again, as by my count, the saints have 85 players, maybe 86 on the roster after Sage Stater. So there's spots to bring people in. And so you might end up bringing in a veteran tight end, a Foster Morrow, and that makes the cuts a little more complicated, although that's a bad example because you're just getting rid of Forrestall. But like, yeah, if, if, if Alvin ends up getting a suspension prior to the season, it gets a little more complicated. If you bring in a veteran running back, which you almost seem, always seem to do, it gets a little more complicated. So that's just something that we're going to keep building on as the season goes. But I, I do think that this is always good to have kind of a baseline that we can look back and say, where were we in May? and where
0: are we now cuz things change yeah it'll it'll definitely be interesting i think for the most part you nailed it pretty good but yeah like you said there's going to be those names that uh end up rising and falling and we'll see where that ends up happening and definitely looking forward to just seeing whatever from the, these rookies over the weekend at mini camp the schedule coming out all all of its you know that that appeases you before the uh the training camp madness and, and OTAs will be starting up soon too the appetizers. Yes, exactly. Just a little tasty the mortals. The appetizer
1: round. Um, this time last year, I had divine Zigbo on my roster, so things change. <laughs> I don't even know where he is right now. Wasn't he in Denver for a little bit? He was, he was in Denver. Uh, I'm not sure if he's still there, but, um, yeah, he ended up in Denver, as did several Saints players. Uh, I wonder why. Yeah, crazy. But, all right. That's it. That's going to wrap up this episode. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Hope that all made sense. Um, We're going to be back hopefully on Friday afternoon. I'm going to try to do a live chat. I don't know what Steve's schedule is. We'll have to hash that out. We'll see who's available. Either way, we will do a live chat to go through the predictions, which will be out of week by week for the 2023 schedule. I almost said 2017. I don't know why. But that was like the number that came to my head and then I changed it mid-sentence. That's why I paused. That's all right. I'm still saying Brett Favre playing for the Jets, so... I think it was because I was was split between saying 2023 and 17 game schedule. Anyway. I can give you my prediction now. 17-0. and 17-0, and yeah. Why even have the episode? Just say win, 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 win. count. All right. This is Inside Black and Gold. Thanks everyone who listened. Thanks, Steve, for putting up with my long form
0: make-believe roster what else are we going to talk about right <laughs> howdy duty all right y'all be easy the Peace. thunder's rolling in over here now